1: The Mackie and Judd unofficial football hour. So much Matthew Collar's here.
2: Ask me what I did today. What'd you do today, Matthew? Ask again. What'd you do today? Ask it in like a football voice.
1: uh,
0: What did you do today? Thank you. Thank
2: you. You know what I did today? Yes. Mr. Football Voice, I watched back every play where the Vikings used backup defensive linemen. Football!
0: Can I hit that quarterback in the face? I want to do it.
1: They did. They did line changes. It wasn't like, yes. oh, let's put a sub in for this. But it was. There was just an entirely new defensive but line. But I told on the I series. told Collar that in
3: Zimmer's post game, he complained about that and said we are going to talk to Coach Andre Patterson about that. He did not approve of the line changes.
4: Football.
1: Uh, What what did you see looking back on film?
2: He reiterated that point uh, yesterday at the Performance Center of Performance that he was not entirely thrilled at how it worked out. And he said that we're going to have to figure out when exactly to put these people in. And what I found interesting was a couple of things. Uh, one, I think that they downgraded from Shamar Stefan, which I know is like really deep in the weeds here. But if you're going to rotate David Perry in all the time, uh, I don't think he's as good at his job as Shamar Stefan was as a guy who mixed in 35-40% of the snaps last year. Uh, also, I found that when Stephen Weatherly, Tashawn Bauer were out there, or the other two guys... Um, but especially the edge rushers, they bootlegged the hell out of them. I mean, everything was play action. I put in parentheses when I was charting this, how often is play action? Every play but one with those guys in was some sort of play action, and every time they just followed the offensive lineman and left Jimmy Garoppolo right there. If that's Daniil Hunter, Everson Griffin, you know they're blowing up one of those plays you know they're going to read that entirely and just go right for the quarterback. There was a time where the tight end comes across the formation and just stops Stephen Weatherly. If he comes across the formation and meets Everson Griffin, he's flying back into the quarterback. <laughs> so it was very clear yes. that Kyle Shanahan knew who was on the field, and he knew he could take advantage of some of those things. And when they first went out there, it was bing, 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 three big plays right down the field, and then Zimmer had to pull the shoot on that and send back in the starters.
1: I, I Oh, yeah. One, one, sorry, Manny, hold one second. I, yeah, I, I, I feel like a lot of people watched parts of that game, and there because there were some big chunk plays through the air for the 49ers, and what was it, five catches for almost a hundo for the tight end. George and, Kittle,
2: and he could have had more.
1: But And so I, I think there was a lot of Vikings fans as I was interacting throughout the game thinking, oh, man, the Vikings defense looks leaky. But I would also say that's an that's a really good offensive mind. And also, Jimmy Garoppolo, to me, is is legit. And what they did down the stretch was no fluke. So it's not like you're going to stifle 100% of the plays uh, against a team that we all thought going into week one was going to flirt with or make the playoffs. Well, his- pump the brakes on... Is the Vikings' defense leaky if you're a fan out there?
2: Yeah, and, and I think that their defense also was battling some things that they didn't have to battle very often last year, such as the injury to Trey Wayans, and then they just had to react on the fly. They send Holton Hill out there. It's an immediate disaster. They pull Holton Hill out. I mean, this guy is an undrafted free agent with no experience, and he was in over his head immediately. So they yank him out and bring in Jaron Ron Curse, who's never played nickel corner before, I did expect some things to go wrong, and then Kyle Shanahan, what he did that was really clever was he would line up the tight end on one side of the formation, and there's a running scheme where you bring him back into the middle to run the ball, so you get an extra blocker in there. It's kind of an old-school type of thing, and so he would run a play that made it look like the tight end was either coming across on a zone run or coming back in the middle of the be an extra blocker. He'd keep going on a route, but instead he would go on a route, yeah. or he would pick up the defensive end. And there were other times the fullback I think came underneath the formation at one point. So there was lots of little clever things that Kyle Shanahan mixed in that would make it hard. And the touchdown pass that Garoppolo threw, where he spun out and threw the touchdown, where he was sort of off balance, and that's like an Aaron Rodgers throw. I mean, was that, ridiculous. That, that was so ridiculous. So clearly, that Garoppolo is capable of some of these big time throws. I think it was very much Week One inside U.S. Bank Stadium against the Mike Zimmer defense that got to him, and the the amount of pressure, especially that Sheldon Richardson created, was really really impressive. And I think that they ended up with something like between all of them, twenty six hurries, but you know, combined between some guys get more. You know, you get more than one on one play, but. Hunter and Griffin and Richardson were especially dominant, and then Linval Joseph shutting down the run. It was just when they brought other people in, it was very clear that the quality of their defense immediately went down. So if they're going to continue this whole idea of rotating, those guys are going to have to be a lot
0: better. So on that, if if Judge saying that you know Mike Zimmer didn't like that whole line change thing, so who's whose call is that? Is that Andre Patterson? Is that George Edwards? Like who makes the call? Patterson just, did. Okay.
2: Yeah, it seems like it was Andre Patterson, and I believe that who they send out at running back is also Kennedy Palomalu's job as well, because I remember Delvin Cook talking about that last year. So it's pretty clear that everybody has their sort of delegated game day duties. And I was surprised, Judd. You were really surprised to see the hockey line change of four backups. That wasn't the first
3: half that we saw that once or twice, right? And then they pulled back on that. Okay, yeah. So that wasn't the And they
2: were out there, I believe, for four plays. They created pressure on one that was a pass interference against Trey Waynes, but the rest of them were big plays for San Francisco. And as soon as they got down the field, Zimmer said, nope, no more of that, the big boys are going back in. But I really wonder how long this will last because the rest of the game they mixed and matched. So Stephen Weatherly came in at one point, Sean Bauer came in, and you know there was some sort of combination of those four guys. And that's sort of well and good to get them some experience. But when you watch the difference on tape, between Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter, who are two of the richest men in the league for a reason, right. versus these other two guys, right. they look like they're running in slow motion. This is not preseason.
3: Which is why they didn't come out last year, but then they saw that the the bad part of that was that they got tired. Uh, tell me this. What did you see from that three-safety look as well? Because the And the one surprise thing about that was it was J. Ron Kearse and not Iloka. We didn't see Iloka at all. We I didn't. Mean, oh. but, but when you went back and looked at that... Because that that to me was an interesting wrinkle. The player, the personnel came as a surprise. The the fact that they did it did not, but I think that that's something that we're going to see more of, not not less of, from this team.
2: Yeah, yeah, and uh, Jaron Curse kind of is looking a little bit like a chess piece himself, which is kind of what we thought George Iloka would be, and Iloka still might be that. I think it's got to be really tough to show up ten days before the season, and then I, I don't think he could he could play nickel either. The difference between J. Ron Kearse and Georgia loca even though they're both tall, so you think, oh, they must be really similar. Well, they're not in athleticism. J. Ron Kearse is a freak athlete. Iloka is a mind guy. He's more of center field type safety. He can read everything that's going on. If you need to move him up to linebacker, he's smart enough to do it. But if you're talking about can you guard a slot receiver that's going to be J. ron Curse's much better fit for that so that might be why where curse i thought was really effective was blitzing on the the interception that jimmy garoppolo throws to mike hughes curse is coming off the edge there he came off the edge on another play he's so lanky and so fast that he's kind of the perfect guy to cornerback blitz with because a lot of times you want to attack the area where the blitzer came from that's like your hot route and if the guy has a wingspan similar to Kevin Garnett, that's going to be a little more difficult than if it's some five foot seven traditional sort of nickel corner. I think that what we'll see from now on, especially since it appears Wayne's is going to be good to go, is that we'll see packages that include J. Ron Kerr situational type things. Mm-hmm. So maybe like third and six, you'll have Jaron come in and blitz off the edge. Football football.
1: That was hard. How how was that for you guys? That was hard. That was awesome. I need a cigarette after that segment. That was absolutely awesome. Can we come back and talk about Mike Zimmer's "I Told You So" moment from Sunday? Yeah, Mackie and Judd. We got Manny on the keyboards over there. We got Matthew Collar, and the Purple Podcast is daily during the week. You can find Sage Rosenfels on it. And a lot more of that meat and potatoes uh, stuff.
4: Sit tight. The Mackey and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackey and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN.
0: What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackey and Judd. What? On 1500 ESPN. Here's a quick check-in on traffic brought to you by It's Just Lunch. 494 westbound. Uh, near Richfield between 24th Avenue South and 77. Look out for a crash there. That's slowing things up just a little bit. Also, 35E northbound, uh, about a four-minute delay northbound, nine-minute delay southbound uh, between Victoria and uh, exit 104C in Lilydale. So look out for those. Back to more football on Mackey and Judd. Did you
1: just make all that
0: up?
3: No, it's there. There's some really bad traffic somewhere. We should let judge do the traffic
1: updates where Judges says, it's rush hour. Everything's yeah. crowded. Deal with Back it. Back to football. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> Matthew Collar's hanging out with us. You can find him and wonderful written content about the Vikings on 1500ESPN.com. And the Purple Podcast is daily right now during the Viking season. So, Mike Hughes, not a bad way to enter your professional football career with a little pick-six action. And Mike Zimmer said after the game, quote, that's why we drafted him. Everybody was complaining about taking the cornerback. I'm glad we had him today. Your thought? I know you guys have been, you guys have been strong advocates for a guard. Will Hernandez would have been an option in the first round. I know Matthew wrote about this for our website today, but felt like Mike Zimmer was maybe uh, taking some shots at guys like you. Oh, he was. Okay, I was there for it. He definitely was. Okay,
2: and, and he does stuff like that from time to time, whether it's accurate or not. I mean there was one time earlier this year where he said, after we went eight and eight the next year, no one believed that we were going to be any good. Like 2017, we went 13 three. I'm like, I remember picking them to be like 11 and five or 10 and six. And we thought they'd have a great defense. And we thought that Sam Bradford would be even better. Like, yeah, we didn't predict case Keenum would do what he did, but nobody said like, Oh yeah, Vikings are trash in 2017. I don't think Mike
0: Zimmer predicted case Keenum either.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, But he does this sometimes. It's like the straw man argument of like, oh, no one believed in us. Like, well, no, actually many of us totally did believe in you. Yeah, that's okay. Um, and the same thing goes for this Mike Hughes deal. Because if he's holding it against everyone that they were criticized for taking a cornerback and not a guard, that's only like a third of the story. Because when you look back at what we wrote, and I did, about them taking Mike Hughes, it was basically Mike Hughes is a really good prospect that I expected him to actually go higher. Mel Kuyper had him 19th on his big board. A lot of people in their mock drafts had him going in that mid-first-round range because he was an outrageously good college player at UCF. The only downside was just that he didn't have a ton of experience, but he was so good, he was a guaranteed first-round, it would have been stunning if he had dropped out of the first-round type of pick. So when they took him, I remember doing the Purple Podcast that night saying, whether this pick works out for them or not will depend on what happens tomorrow. When they look for offensive linemen, yes, and then the team admitted to being caught off guard by all, eh,
1: off guard, wow. yeah, by yeah. all yeah, okay. the offensive wow. linemen. Can we move on can, from you can, that? You can show yourself out. <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm going to switch the station myself when I work here.
2: They uh, they uh, were surprised, put it that way, uh, by the offensive line run in the second <laughs> round. So then they end up with a guy who wasn't going to play this year, yeah. and that was clear from draft night, where they were like, "Yeah, Brian O'Neill's not playing this year." because he needs to put on like 20 pounds and you're not doing that in five months and learning technique. That's not going to happen. So they came away from the NFL draft with no linemen. They came away from free agency with Tom Compton. That's the criticism that you went into this season with Rashad Hill out on an island there with no parachute aside from moving Remmers back to tackle. And then you have no other guards. You lost Joe Berger, who was an excellent guard and then Nick Easton quickly to injury for the whole season and are left scrambling for Brett Jones in the trade market and some guy who played for Kansas City and wasn't good last year. He played like
3: 13 year. games last year.
2: He did. and, and he was Even a, you he, don't know how a, he is. But, but he's like, a Tom Compton-type player.
1: I love how, because it's impossible, unless you're Matthew Collar and you're just perusing through YouTube clips and PFF all day, like for most of us who watch football, even the diehard football fans, our gauge for whether or not an offensive lineman, random offensive lineman, trader pickup was good is, only he played 13 games for a professional <laughs> yeah, team last yeah, year. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. great. And he weighs 300 pounds. But so.
2: he, he's a, a Tom Compton type of guy that if you have to play him for a game or two, you're okay. If you have to play him for a long time, then you are concerned. But Kansas City had a really good offensive line otherwise, so they were able to fill in the spots last year. This team does not have a really good offensive line otherwise. That was the criticism, that when you went left to right, you kind of went, hey, at like four of the positions, and if Riley Reef gets hurt, then what exactly are you doing? That was the conversation. It wasn't about Mike Hughes. Well, Everyone knew right. Mike Hughes was
3: good. And the night that they took Hughes, I think we all said it, that's probably a good pick. We did it with with the expectation that on Friday, they were going to then try and trade up and take a guard, because that run hadn't begun truly yet at that point. Zim is a master and I give him credit because it works. Zim is a master, though it can, of, of make of taking a narrative, spinning it to a way that he likes, and selling it to his players. So you know what? If you can do that, good for you. If Mike and players Hughes, believe yeah. in that.
1: if Mike Hughes thinks for the rest of the year that nobody wanted him, yeah. and like they really wanted He's a first round pick, a, a but you've convinced lineman. him yeah.
3: that was if we hadn't taken you in the first round, you would have fallen to the seventh round.
1: Yeah, and uh, do you, okay? Is he more likely to play? Is because because. You could see him playing slot or outside in this defense. Um, The interception was him playing outside, right? So where does he – in five weeks from now, what's Mike Hughes doing?
2: Well, that would depend on the health of Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes. I I think if those two are healthy, that Mike Hughes is your nickel corner and Mackenzie Alexander is your rotational guy, and you'd see him probably about just as much as you saw him last year, 30 40% of the snaps where he's mixing in for somebody – I will be really interested though, because it will tell us exactly what Zimmer thought of Hughes' performance. Aside from the pick six, which anyone on the roster could have made, I know it's great for him, and congratulations on your pick six. But Judd catches it, and anyone who's ever played pro sports gets to the end zone there. Wow. So did you see the Bears'
3: D back drop that ball? I did on Sunday yes, night. I did. Okay, so I don't, so that was, I don't catch
2: that I thought, Garoppolo pass. Go
1: okay, ahead, say it. Will Hernandez I, would have scored on that pick six yes. too. Say it. Say he's, it. We know you want to say it.
2: He's fast for a big guy. I mean, really though, like
4: there's,
1: <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater would have scored. I, I'm
2: not trying to take it away from him. It was a great play and game changing. It's just that the rest of the game, Zimmer had some criticisms for Mike Hughes.
0: So there was he, one. There was one play where he got completely duped by the receiver and just got completely cooked. Yep, and, and just burned. I think it might have been in the third quarter.
2: There were a few instances that Zimmer said where he wasn't exactly on point and they felt like, yeah, he'll be able to catch up on that stuff. And that's a rookie corner. That's why we don't see a lot of rookie corners rising up to the top of the NFL. It's a place that I think takes three years until you can really be the guy you're going to be. Uh, and we've seen that from Trey Wayans and we've seen that from Xavier Rhodes. And Wayans, when he, on the play, got hurt was spectacular in breaking up that touchdown pass. So there could be bumps along the road, and it wouldn't surprise me if he works Hughes in as that rotational guy and plays Alexander instead at first because he thinks Alexander's just farther along being in his third year. But nothing that Mackenzie Alexander has ever done has impressed me so far. So, I mean, aside from another interception that Kirk Cousins last year threw right to him, I I can't remember any other time where I've gone, oh man, he's been really right on it. And that makes me think that Hughes is a better player and will ultimately be the one who starts there.
1: By the way, speaking of the the Kirk Cousins inter- interception factor, I feel like whatever group of football gods was overlooking He's... U.S. Bank Stadium last year for Case Keenum, those those guys were definitely sitting in that stadium because Kirk Cousins had at least two throws. They're not in Denver, I can tell went, you that. They rattled off the hands of, of opposing defenders, so... You yeah, Denver, there was three picks. Three, pick, for, three um, touchdowns, three picks.
2: Keenum just wins, though. He just wins. Yeah, he won. He got Until he doesn't. Until he doesn't. The only stat that mattered on Sunday for Case Keenum, Judd, was the W. But, oh, uh, quarterback wins. See, Let's yeah, get into this they, debate. They that see now man. that I, I'm, I'm joking, but like now I'm just going to defend Case Keenum like, the whole time. Just <laughs> After because, we spent all last year yeah. torching him. We, After you you fraud? Torching is not. I well, I spent all last year telling everyone exactly what was going to happen, which was they were going to move on to yes, him. Yes, and I agreed with you um, that he's going to get to a playoff but, game it was going to be too much. But I just think it would be funny if now I just defended him to the death. Um, but <laughs> I am I'm going to be watching closely on what happens with these other quarterbacks. Sam Bradford had a tough time, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's not the one facing the Vikings when Arizona comes here. But I, I'm speaking of the the football gods and US Bank Stadium. I am starting to think that. There is something to people coming here and playing.
1: It was like that at the Metrodome for a long time too, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's like noise or because we in 1998 it was definitely loud and they were piping in noise artificially and that team was <laughs> awesome. But if imagine if Which, in that setting you 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 also had like this school chant that yeah. we have oh, that now place in is, that stadium. Yeah. Yeah, the creep factor. Well, well you... I
3: think I I think the combination in this place of a really loud home crowd and a defense that scares you. Yeah, this defense. If you're a quarterback and you and you're not Drew Brees, because Drew Brees can look at this defense and be like, okay, you're yeah. good, but I'm I'm
2: as good as you are. But if you're Garoppolo or a kid and these guys start to come at you, I think it's scary. And even the good quarterbacks have had their bad times. I mean, Aaron Rodgers throws an interception the first time he plays here to lose the game, and Drew Brees wasn't perfect in the first half of that game, uh, the divisional game, not even close. He, he wasn't good. Uh, I thought he had some bad luck with a tipped interception in that game, but uh, we saw him come back in the second half, but at least in the first half... He had a lot of trouble moving the ball, and he wasn't great in the first game that they played either. They couldn't get the ball in when they were in the red zone. It seems like Matt Stafford is the only one who seems to own U.S. Bank Stadium in his first two tries here, and now his team's kind of a disaster to start the season. Uh, we'll see if that ends up changing, but you know, it seems like no matter how good you are, you almost take a percentage off of that when they come here Mm -hmm. because of what you're going up against with the noise, with the defense, and clearly it enhances how the defense plays to be inside that stadium.
1: Let's come back. We promised this last hour. Let's follow through with things that we are 95% or more sure about, even though it's only week one. After watching the first week of games here in the NFL, Collar's hanging out with us. It's Mackie and Judd in the... Live
4: from the TCL broadcast studios, Mackie and Judd are back.
1: Okay, man. On
4: 1500 ESPN. Come on! Football! Football.
1: Mackie and Judd here. We're going to wrap with Roycey on a daily basis. That'll be in about 15 minutes. I know this is this is a time slot where people are wondering where's Patrick Royce. Well, you're going to get him to wrap the show every day, and we're going to let him pontificate as he as he wants to. Uh, we we were going through a couple things, Collar, and and Manny is with our show now here too. As we move to this new time slot, things that even though Week One is an anomaly in the NFL, and you can't get a great gauge because the football is not where it's going to be in football. October, November, but there are still some things that happen in Week One that I know I'm confident, 95% confident, that, yep, you know what? The one I threw out yesterday was, I'm not a Mitch Trubisky believer at all. And I compare him to some of these other inexperienced quarterbacks when I watch him versus even Darnold, him versus Garoppolo. There's something missing. There's a Christian Ponder, nervous-in-the-pocket factor, where he's looking to run too often. So that's the thing I threw out yesterday. What are some things? Let's start. We'll go around the room. Collar, Manny, Judd, things that you are almost 100% sure about.
2: Real quick to your point. That when it, you look at the NFL draft and how many quarterbacks who are like Mitch Trubisky, the guy who goes from nowhere to all of a sudden top five, never trust that guy. That's Blaine Gabbert. That's Ryan Tannehill. That's mm. Blake Bortles. Yeah. Somebody I didn't hear a damn thing about all year. Well. And then all of a sudden, and you got to wonder like what role agents play in this sort of stuff and teams outthinking themselves. Who, who with the Bears was qualified
3: to make that pick? That's my question. If you recall, they didn't even tell John Fox. Right. And a front office that was completely unqualified to take a quarterback, took a quarterback. Like, who who red-lighted that pick and said, this is a great idea? And you said, oh, you know what? You're a QB
2: guru. You're right. There's nobody there. I don't know. And when you had two other quarterbacks who were right there who were decidedly better prospects. I mean, if you go back and watch Patrick Mahomes, I've got a tweet somewhere about this from back in the day that I will dig up and retweet the heck out of myself about <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. Don't if, sprain your when, your shoulder, when joint. When you watched him on tape in college, this yep. guy was... it. Yeah. I, you hear this all the time, but for this it was true. It was like Favre. It was like... Okay, he's running around a lot, but he's just making these outrageous throws. Mm-hmm. He's just gunning all over the place. There's like a certain moxie to this guy that is really impressive, and his arm is insanity. And then when you watch him in the Gruden QB camp, you see how smart he is and inquisitive he is. And you're like, why would I not want this guy? and the Bills trade out of a pick and allow Kansas City to take him, if Andy Reid takes somebody, you're like, okay, we messed up because he knows what he's doing. And
0: boy, and, he looked good on Sunday. And, yeah,
2: and, and, You
1: put up that many points in a divisional game on the road in your first NFL start, that's that's pretty impressive. And
2: Deshaun Watson leads a game, oh, game-winning drive against Alabama, plays Alabama twice, and yep. has two of his best career games. And yet, Mitch Trubisky, a guy who had a horrible uh, bowl game and, Sun to bowl. me, didn't show a whole heck of a lot, he ends up higher? You didn't even think about him. I, it's so bizarre. You I love that, man, he knows it.
1: it was the Sun Bowl,
0: too. That's football credit yeah, Because right I because I remember everybody football. was talking about him. Oh, well, this Trubisky guy. Oh, he's great. You know, Kuyper and all those guys were, were drooling over him. And I watched him, and the Sun Bowl was like, he's ordinary. What,
3: what like, is what
0: is the starting
3: point? Like, if you are just watching college QBs play, to me, the starting point is this, and it's a complete cliche, but it's true about young QBs: is he in some way electric? Is there something that that he does—arm strength, or savvy, or smarts?
1: Arm strength, to me, should never be the no, the number one thing that you draft no, a quarterback on. But no, Holmes has more than just arm strength. But if oh, yeah, you but
3: more. but if you can move and throw. That's a big deal. Well, Mahomes is accurate, too. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, Christian Ponder, you go back and watch him at Florida State, there was nothing there that said, uh, the guy got
2: to go
1: with yeah. that Yeah, great hair. Great hair. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Got to <laughs> yeah. go with that guy. You, but That's some flow right there.
2: You're exactly right, though, that there are throws that you should see from NFL-caliber quarterbacks in college, the ones that make you go... Whoa. And Sam Darnold led the world in whoa throws. I had some concerns about him because of how many picks he threw. And last night, first throw is across (laughs) the other side of the field. And it was like, (laughs) this is Sam Darnold. He's going to do that sometimes. But also you saw big time throws all over. The most impressive throw of the day for me was when he took the snap, faked the handoff and fired it in one motion to a guy in a slant route. Because you have to do that all the time. That's arm strength. That's mental processing. That that's just like everything in one. Darnold has the
1: best avatar, just the best look of any oh, that, quarterback in the league. Yeah. He's got the, <laughs> that look, man. He's got the look of I just woke up at one o'clock in the afternoon, and I need a I, I need a bite of cold he's, pizza.
3: He's got the look of of a guy who should be cast in a 1950 sitcom
1: <laughs> with the rolled up smokes or something. But you know what's funny about him? <laughs> mom and dad? I'm home. He he he, oh, Richie.
2: Lo- he looks like that. <laughs> He definitely looks like he is sort of like aloof a little bit. But as far as like character makeup, I mean, that's another thing that should be at the extreme top of the list. And it's more than just like being a good guy and whatever. It's being extremely intelligent about the game, but also having a baller type gamer Mm -hmm. mentality, which I think you saw even last night that he had. And in college, he was doing his own podcast where he would interview like his coaches about football stuff. Just so he could talk more football. Like, yes, that's exactly what you're looking for for this guy. Where he's interviewing his own coaches to talk more football. And uh, so, you know, I, it, the, as far as the back to your original question, like what things are going to stick, I think Sam Darnold's going to stick. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to stick. And I'm with you that I think Mitch Trubisky is going to be maybe some version of what he was last year, which is sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not that good.
1: It would be a familiar position for the Bears to have this loaded defense and no answer at quarterback. I mean, they almost won a Super Bowl with that exact thing with Rex Grossman in 2005. Exactly right. So that's going to be a very similar thing. All right. What else are you guys pretty sure about here after week one?
2: I think Cleveland is going to tie every game
1: just 00 and 16 baby no, you know and
3: next year shootouts
1: we're
3: going to put in shootouts cuz you can't have ties in american sports <laughs> i
2: really do think that it wouldn't surprise me if cleveland somehow ran across like two other ties <laughs> just like if any team this is the weirdest team i've ever seen i mean from watching hard knocks with all the personalities they have a coaching staff that is just like this ragtag weird group that should be in some movie where they rob a bank or something like greg williams greg williams is a cartoon and and then you know Hugh Jackson is just completely lost at how to lead anybody.
1: Todd Haley with uh, like, Todd Haley showers once a week, and it's yeah. definitely not close to Sunday. He's going to
2: be, I think, their head coach pretty soon. Um, so I think, but I think Cleveland is going to be like fun and weird and crazy to watch all season. I also think Cincinnati is going to be really good. I think Cincinnati will win that division. Wow! Mm. I think wow. that they are. You don't stacked. think Dalton
3: will choke it away you know somehow? What?
2: Here's what's crazy to me about the Buffalo Bills. They had a bunch of talented players, and they just gave them to other people for no discernible oh, they reason. Are, they gave the Cincinnati Bengals a star left tackle for they, like no reason.
3: They are now trying to replace the Browns. It's crazy for complete incompetence. They're just they are they a, just shredded their roster. They're a dumpster
0: fire. You that know what? That's another thing. one. That quarterback situation in Buffalo makes no sense. Why? Why would you bring in AJ McCarron if you were just gonna? Ship him away, I, and then start Nathan freaking Peterman. That's Manny, What's,
1: what's going to happen when
0: Nathan oh Peterman God. plays Nathan
1: the Vikings Peterman. defense? He's
2: not going to. It'll be Allen, and it'll be just as bad. <laughs> it will, yes. Oh. Dude,
1: that's going to be. That's we another fast one forward though. to that game but right like now? That's,
0: I'd, be sto- I'd be shocked if they win a game. Like, that, like that's, you. okay, you bring in, you, you draft Josh Allen. Fine. He's raw. He's got, he's got, there's a lot of work there. You have A.J. McCarron. Just play A.J. McCarron. Right. I don't care what he looked like in preseason. Right. Just play him until Josh Allen is ready. Don't send McCarron packing and then throw Nathan Peterman out there. My favorite part Come on. too they, is Peter. that of is
1: course that, his name is Peterman. They
0: it. also
2: have a complete clown as the coach of their team. Just a caricature of a coach. McDermott? McDermott, who after the game, when his quarterback, Nathan Peterman, Peterman has a 0.0 quarterback rating, and he says, well, i got to go back and watch the tape. Meanwhile, Mike Zimmer, who just wins games no matter who the hell his quarterback is, is out there critiquing Mike Hughes, saying, well, you know, he wasn't really perfect. I know he had the pick six, and you guys love that. And, you know, we should have drafted him, but he also made a mistake on this technique or whatever. So he's giving that, while this other fool is saying... Well, I gotta watch the tape. Gotta watch the tape on a 0.0 right. quarterback rating in a game you lost by forty four
0: for eighteen. Here's mine. How do you go five for eighteen? <laughs> come on, Matt
3: Patricia. One year, one year and fired. This is not going to work. This yeah. is not going. You can't. You can't go in there and say I learned from Belichick and alienate your veterans. Yeah, he's going to last
1: one year and get fired. Uh, we got to wrap with Roycey here when we come back. Matthew Collar, it's been real. It's been fun. I don't look, know if it's been real fun. Look
2: for more football at our website, 1500ESPN.com. Oh, nice. and our first episode with Sage Rosenfels, the Purple Podcast. Nice. Breaking
1: down uh, Kirk Cousins' performance. Well, how, right, how
2: great is it? I'm sorry if I'm cutting into panics. No, you're good. You're how good. great is it that a podcast I host is now with a former backup quarterback? I feel like it's you guys so both sit there
1: in like robes, dimly lit rooms, maybe a maybe a pipe with old 1970s football clips on where the quarterback smoked cigarettes on the sidelines. You guys break it all down. We, that's how I envision this we podcast. We
2: name-dropped Cade McNown, Charlie oh. Batch. Wow. Just in the first episode. Fantastic. It's wow. going to be great.
1: Uh, find Purple Podcast pretty much anywhere you would download podcasts. And we'll wrap with Royce next. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Jug coming up next. Oh, that's just
3: what they'll be expecting us to do.
1: On 1500 ESPN. And we are getting a lot of angry emails, just so you know, Patrick Roycey, we are getting a lot yep. of angry emails that uh, we won't shut up, and where's Patrick Roycey? So we're telling them, hey, tune in at 5.45 every day, we're going to rap with Roycey and just give you the floor to speak to the audience that misses you.
4: Well, uh, I'll tell you them what I did this afternoon. I took a nap. That was kind of fun. Oh. <laughs> I saw I saw your tweet that said I'm bored. I'm bored. Yeah, I was bored. It was one o'clock in the afternoon. I had nothing to do, and I messed around for a while, and I took a nap. Hey, that didn't feel bad for an old man. Yeah. So I got I got here's one thing I wanted to bring up. Kepler two twenty six. Phil. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, we're worried about Sano you know, for good reason. He's you know, This idea that he might come back in two days was uh, obviously hysterical, and we're worried about Buxton. How about Kepler? Two twenty six. I know. He can't hit. Yeah. He can't hit. He's another guy who can't play.
1: And what, what if that? someone had told you, all right, coming into the year, he's going to, at least for the first half of the year, I guess, he's going to figure out left-handed pitching. You'd say, oh, yes. he might be an all-star,
4: but here we are. Yeah. Yeah, two twenty six. It's unbelievable uh, what's what's happened with this team. the 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 amount of the amount of good things that has happened to him has been almost zero because even DeLeos isn't as good as I thought he was going to be. So that's that's kind of a, kind of a uh, really. This is I think this is probably more disappointing season than even those 2011 through 14 obviously 2011 was but everything came apart there but uh this is uh this is a disaster and attendance wise they're going to draw under 1.9 million they're gonna have their worst attendance it's uh 2001 mm-hmm.
0: uh, that's so remarkable that's- isn't it, the last an, it?
4: Eight years, last eight years in the dome, they drew better, and they're going to face They were good, but the last eight years in the dome, they drew better, and they're going to draw.
0: So. Isn't it amazing, Pat, that the Yankees are in town and like nobody cares?
4: Yeah, well, they got it. You know, one thing they really, Judd and I were talking about this last night. They really got short change on the schedule this year. I think they had what twenty home games in April, <laughs> and then and now you get the Yankees in the middle of uh, in September. They can't. There's no reason that you're playing anybody but division teams at this time of at this time of year, right? Shouldn't you? Amen. You know, Yankees, Red Sox, all those teams should yes. be here and sometime in between May first and August thirty first. But hey, if they, if it can be screwed up, baseball can screw it up.
2: So here, here's
3: the thing too. I was. Th- thinking to myself, this month is supposed to give you one or two things about your team or about a player uh, to be a- optimistic about, right? Like a couple years back, Buxton starts to hit in September and we're all like, hey, Buxton might have figured this out. Pat, I don't think there's anything this month no. that I care about. I don't think the there's thing one I thing.
4: About is, the only thing I care about is Willie deal I want him to do <laughs> it. I, I got very nervous last night because he got to a two zero count. I was like, He's not going to get a walk, is he? It would be his first major league walk, but he put the
1: ball in play. What needs to ha- here's, here's the attraction for September. What needs to happen for Willie to play every position in a game? <laughs>
4: yeah, let's make this not? put
1: him in center field for an inning.
4: Well, let's you make course, this happen. He, he did play. Yeah. Let's do what Calvin did with Cesar Tobar and whatever the hell I hear that was. And he's already proven he can pitch, right? So let's let's do it here now might yeah, as well. He Actually pitch.
1: he Okay, according to Baseball Reference, he did play an inning in center field at yes, some point yeah, this season. In yes.
4: Ridley in right field. That's right, That's it was, it was yeah, it. Oh, he's he's well on his way to do it. This, this is doable. That oh, long my God. day that the three guys oh. left with heat exhaustion. Not <laughs> Willie, though. He can't get the Willie. He's in too good a shape.
1: You look out in the. He's just grazing in the outfield. He's on <laughs> all fours.
4: <laughs> yeah, oh, well, he actually. He's
1: he probably stays away from the greens, but
4: yeah. I called it on Twitter a waddle off home run when he hit the. Uh, you know, he hit the waddle off home run. He's fantastic. Yes. So anyway, are you okay? It. You said
1: Barrios. Are you? Does this mean you're? Are you down on Barrios as a staff well, ace or I'm
4: down on the idea that he's a n- number one, you know, and down on the idea that you know, he could become I don't know, you know, he's he could kick it back up and be a frank Viola type who got better, but this, this whatever you want to call the second half, the last two and a half months have been rather distressing, wouldn't you agree?
3: Oh, absolutely, he's, for the most part, yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean he hasn't been good. He hasn't been good, so
3: Hey, hey, Pat. So, what what do you make of of the, these guys too? With Derek and Thad now, I mean, the the Buxton thing obviously has swayed me to a a place of not feeling nearly as confident about them as I did previously. But when you look at this whole thing now, have you have you begun to pass judgment on these guys yet or not?
4: No, I just want not yet. I I just want them to talk English. You know, don't give me that Eastern liberal college horse crap. Yeah, give me a sentence once in a while that means something. I mean, uh, I love, I like that, Levine. I think he's a funny guy, but that nonsense that he had to throw out there 10 days ago about Buxton and, you know, this is Minnesota. That That is not going to work. People think you're BSing them. And, uh, you know, uh, Phil's guy, Phil Fleck, has got a much better – uh, a much higher degree of BS than these guys do. These guys make no sense. We don't even know what they're trying to say. So that—that's what bothered me. I still think they're smart guys, but uh, they—I think they did get themselves caught up a couple of times in their genius, and uh, and uh, are now kind of spinning their wheels here, trying to okay, let's get this thing back together here. So I had the—they're going to have to bring in a couple of people to, uh, you know, fill it, to put on a lineup that's not a complete joke right now for next season. They're going to have to go get a couple of people in the offseason.
1: Yeah, they have like one solidified position. I had We have like 30 seconds left here, Pat, but I did have my dad's old folks community in Phoenix chanting, row the boat at one point over the weekend. So. Okay, that was
4: good. Well, that was, I don't know uh, if they know what was, they were well, chanting,
3: but... You didn't yeah. tell me that yet. Lord <laughs> help us.
4: That was, a, uh, that was a good win for the fellas, because uh, Fresno's going to win some games, so. I'll admit
1: that. All right, Pat. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See you, Pat. Okay. All right, see all you. Right, that's us uh, with Royce to end our show every day. We've <laughs> all so Judd has worked with Pat going back to the late '80s. Yeah, Star '89 Tribune. when I started the Star Tribune. Pat and I did a show together for four years, and Manny and Pat have done the show together uh, for for three years up until up until Friday. So, yeah, we all have different perspectives. We love Pat, and he's going to be a weekly uh, weekly a daily fixture on our show. I just love it. Speak English.
0: <laughs> your your I mean, guy Fleck was, was, was almost crying on Saturday. Eastern mm-hmm. liberal colleges they speak <laughs> English.
1: Okay, the your f- guy f- was Fleck was crying on Saturday. Fleck was a little over, the, it was a good win, but his reaction was a little over the top. Can we get one thing? Not shocking. I Can we get just
3: it. one thing? Please change the rule. Zach Annexted, allow him to talk. Like he's your, I'd be curious to hear what the kid has to say. It's not yeah. vital, but I'd be curious to hear what he Well, has then to he say. did a national interview though. ESPN. Okay. But one. But I'm just saying, after wins, he seems like a very
1: smart I kid. I think it was
0: right when he was announced as the starter. ESPN they were, they were doing a big true thing freshman. on like, fr- yes. true freshmen starting and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So.
1: You can find us on demand if you missed any of the show, anywhere you would find podcasts. The Mackie and Judd Show or 1500ESPN.com. We have all kinds of other podcasts, Purple Podcast, Touch Them All. And we will be back tomorrow. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studio.
4: 1500 ESPN is KSTP-AM St. Paul, Minneapolis. 945 KSTP-FM St. Paul HD2. And streaming at 1500ESPN.com.